Hello and welcome to the Vlogging Pod. Tonight we are joined by the groundbreaking author, Maggie Shaw. Welcome. It's just so lovely to be able to speak to you after all the time when we were trying to get to, through to each other and they didn't. Yes, and that I... It's really been a rough couple weeks. We haven't had internet for those who are listening maybe tonight and don't know. Um, we had to get a whole new server. If you know anything about me, I'm really rural. I mean, farmland, cows, <laughs> chickens. <laughs> so internet is a different, um, whole new dimension in this area. So I'm so glad that you were able to reschedule with us and that we can go ahead and interview today. That's wonderful. Yeah, so looking forward to it. Okay, so I usually like to do a little bit of research um, about every author I have on the program. And I, I try not to talk to the authors prior to because I find it's, it's more interesting and we get to know each other right off the bat. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had a few people that I actually know personally on the show and that gives you a whole different aspect. But I find it more exciting to dig into your past or your work as an author, you know, the, probably like the day before the interview. So it gives me a fresh take. So with that in mind, um, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about a book that came from a series of poems that I believe you wrote while you were in your 20s? I, uh, that's The Eagle and the Butterfly. Um, it's a book that describes my own journey as a young author, um, constantly getting uh, knockbacks from publishers and things. And I just thought I was never going to make it. And it seemed like other people were making it who didn't seem to write things that I was that impressed with. So it was a full allegory. Um, so it's a story that looks like one thing on the surface, but then actually means something quite different deep down. That is interesting. Can you maybe give us a little bit of a teaser more of it? Right. So um, the little character in the book is called Erigendel, and Erigendel is the name that I chose for my publishing imprint in the end. Um, Erigendel is a traveller in the dream worlds, and the dream worlds are our worlds. And Erigendel comes to this mystic place called Sleuth Wood, and in Sleuth Wood is a tarn of mirrors, and uh, the character goes through the town of mirrors, through the thin place, into the mythical world of Beren. And our Beren means the um, place of tombs. And in fact, uh, the character has gone into the world sort of between the living and the dead. Nice. And that little beep you heard <laughs> is because I forgot to start the timer. <laughs> So my apologies on that. We try to do it. I tried to do a 20 minute interview, but I forgot to set the timer. So if we go over a little bit, please forgive me, Maggie. Um, one of the things I, I looked up, I've heard 
one thing that you offered advice for new authors, and I found it interesting. Um, I'm going to quote you if you don't quite mind here. Would it be okay if I quote you, Maggie? Yep. Okay, so this is what I got. Choose whether you want fame, fortune, or creative satisfaction. Can you elaborate to those listening that perhaps didn't hear you give that little bit of advice? <laughs> fame, fortune, or uh, creative satisfaction. So if you want fame, you need to be outrageous. If you want fortune, you need to write to market. If you want creative satisfaction, you write for yourself and hope that others want to read. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm assuming you're the latter, correct? I am, yes, yes. <laughs> I won't make a fortune out of this, but I absolutely adore writing. Well, I think that's commendable. I I try to follow a little bit of that line myself, but I also might be a little outrageous. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about last Thursday's ritual in Little Pittleton? Am I pronouncing that? I'm probably not. I'm messing that last word out. If you could um, say that out loud for me, it's because I'm too tongue-tied to get it out. <laughs> the last Thursday ritual in Little Pittleton. Awesome. Now, I used, to, I used to live in a remote country area um, a bit in the way that you did, although I don't think anywhere in England can be quite as remote as where you live. Um, I lived in West Cumberland. I observed lots of people in a small village um, getting away with all sorts of strange things. So the last Thursday ritual in Little Pidlington basically um, described a lot of the people I met there, except I because they were... Uh, they might recognize themselves. I moved the um, action to a little village in Somerset, which is about 250, 300 miles further south. And um, in the story, uh, the whole village likes to try and steal all the money that goes to the post office once a fortnight. And it's about the last time that happens. Oh, wow. That is really interesting. Um, so do most of your characters in your books come from people maybe you've met or would you say your own characteristics to go into your characters as well? I think every character I create has a little bit of me in them, um, from the angels to the demons. Um, because I try and make all my characters have some form of humanity. And so that's the only way I can do it. But a lot of that is um, that uh, the people I see around me as well, um, they do sort of merge into the characters. And then over time, as I write the book, the characters take over um, the story and they start basically telling me what they're going to do. And then they take off those basic uh, ingredients of the people I know and myself. 
So basically, what you do you do you start with an outline with your characters, and then they just kind of grow beyond that as you're writing. Hello. There you are. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed that last <laughs> bit. What I was saying, do you start with a character outline and then your characters just kind of grow beyond that? It's hard to describe. I start with an impression of a story and start writing. And if I get about 30 pages, I then do the outline and um, grow it as a book. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> I, I do something just a little bit similar. I let my characters grow as I'm writing, and then I will take that piece and throw it in a document so I have it for mental <laughs> mental things. So that's pretty cool. Um, I always find it interesting when I have something similar to my guest. So let's talk about um, the last laugh. Um, what does that mean to you as an author when you say the last laugh? Um, so the last laugh to me means um, that the uh, the person uh, who who may have gone through the mill um, finally gets the upper hand. I bring that out because I read um, a question that was given to you and you said as an author that that is one of the biggest things that you can have the last laugh. So is it, does it give you more into your plot with that in mind? Like as far as your characters or any kind of, you know what I mean? How they grow or, you know what I mean? Do they rub you the wrong way? You're like, yeah, that's it. You're dead now. <laughs> No, no, that's only um, what I used to do when I was in my 20s and got frustrated with bank managers and things. <laughs> I put them in a book. But I don't need to do that. Now. Well, awesome. I will try not to frustrate you through this interview. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're going to see some characters named Ari. <laughs> and that's fine. I would be so honored by that. So now I understand that you happen to use index cards when you're writing and that you have them about you when you go out and about? Yeah, I've got a little pack here um, full of notes of um, different things. Um, and they're usually the, uh, the funny things that I notice. Uh, I don't write so many funny books, um, but I, I keep planning one in my head. So I've got something like um, Trolley Park, actually known as Troll Park. Uh, the supermarket Trolley Park has been vandalized with the cross. So um, just a vision of all these trolls in the car park wandering around. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> You do you have an do you have like maybe an idea for an upcoming book as far as a troll park? Not yet, but uh, I'm getting so many of these um, funny bits and pieces that they will end up in another one shortly. At the moment, I'm too busy doing the sequel to the Eagle and the Raven because um, my readers have so enjoyed the Eagle and the Raven that's just come out. 
that they want to know what happens next. So um, I, that's what I'm going to be doing. Well, since you mentioned the eagle and the raven, would you like to tell everyone a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, the butterfly person, Erigen, comes back into the real world and um, starts working again as a guide and uh, a messenger. And uh, under the shorter name, Gendel, uh, he, the, the um, character becomes a knight who then goes around sort of helping people. Uh, he's ha they get the meth, the... Uh, the um, calling from the previous book to help the poor and fight injustice. And so in The Eagle and the Raven, Gendel and friend uh, Sir Rayline get drawn into the fight to free a count and his tribe from the despotic rule of the Duke of Danuvia. So it's all swords and battles and exciting things. I'm looking at your site, um, erigdellbooks.com, well, dot com, yeah, slash books. Um, and I noticed that you have the eagle and the butterfly, and then the eagle and the raven. Now, which one comes first? Is it the eagle and the butterfly first? The eagle and the butterfly came first. Um, but for people who are not so strong on um, deep mythology and uh, symbolism, the eagle and the raven is uh, more accessible, and you can read the eagle and the raven without reading the eagle and the butterfly. Nice. So basically, the books can stand alone. That's nice. So... I would love to hear more about, since I'm on your Hello? page. I'm sorry, can you not hear me? Um, I can hear you now, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, since we're on your site, when I was looking up your books, um, it's you have it, again, it's Airedale.com books. I'm sorry if I'm messing up the pronunciation on that. So what I would love to hear is more about micro publishing and how did this come about and how does this differ to any other publishing? I'm um, a publisher um, in my own right, working from my music room in my house, uh, which makes me a micro publisher. Um, I uh, write the books, then I lock them, design them, do all the editing and the copy editing and proofreading, uh, cover designs. Uh, I do it all online using computers and a um, print-on-demand printer. And uh, so there's just me um, producing all these books. That's commendable. And so would you call yourself an indie author as well? Maggie, can, would you call yourself an indie author as well? Yes. yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's our. It's okay. It's a lag. It's all right. Well, we'll fix it in the edit. <laughs> um. So, um, 
I'm curious about something because when I went on Amazon and I would put your name up, music would come up too. And you just mentioned it again about your music room. So can you elaborate about your multi-career you got going on? I'm a church organist musician, uh, a director of music at my local um, Church of England church. So um, that means that I play the organ every Sunday. Um, I also have, over the years, have written lots of songs and I've been recording them recently and putting them on my website and uh, on Amazon as well. That's awesome. I think um, when I was reading up on you that you have, you have just taken a lot and pulled yourself farther along in basically things that you've never done before. And it seems like you've just taken them and conquered them and then move on with such a skill and grace. Can you tell us where that comes from deep inside yourself? Um, I think very much my faith in God. And um, also I follow the 24-hour program of recovery and that really helps. So I live one day at a time and I'm supported by other people who live one day at a time as well. And uh, it's wonderful to have people around me who are all trying to deal with the demons of their past and um, living a better life for today. Well, I happen to find you very commendable. I really enjoy the research I found on you. Um, I know I started the timer a little late, but I have one last question um, for you tonight. And can you leave us with a characteristic of yourself that hasn't become a character in your book yet, but probably is the most momental, momentous piece of yourself, if that makes sense, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, that's a difficult one because so much of it does come out into all my writing. Um, I think one of the things is the, the fact that I run the Singing for Lung Health group, Breathe Better Sing Together. So I was diagnosed with COPD in 2015. That's um, a pulmonary disease. Um, and I was a moderate um, sufferer at the time. Uh, but I had done lessons about how to um, lead choirs and things. And the person teaching me suggested that I start a group for people with lung problems. And I did within six months of it. And that's still going. I'm actually doing a session tomorrow um, for the local Breathe Easy group where um, we'll all be singing Christmas carols, which will be wonderful. But that hasn't appeared in a book yet. <laughs> well, that is awesome. I actually think that you are a tremendously wonderful person with everything that you have overcome and that you continue to show others as well to overcome. I want to thank you so much for being on our program tonight. I want to thank everybody for coming in. I'm so sorry about the internet issue. It really just broke my heart not being able to get on here. Um, and I want to say to you guys how thankful I am for to meeting each and every one of you in the course of these interviews and interactions on here. And I want to wish you the best of the Thanksgivings coming this week and more 
of you to the holidays yet to come. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Everyone have a great evening. It was nice being with you. Bye-bye for now.